Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, Sad Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com. Leave us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube Live. Uh, leave a comment, all that good stuff. It is a late one, 1.30 a.m. Eastern here on the East Coast. But you can listen whenever we are on podcast platforms everywhere. Check out FightfulMMA.com. I always plug those uh, discussion pages. Uh, it, it's always wild over there. We always have hundreds of comments and tonight was a double event. We had uh, Bellator and UFC Fight Night Lauderdale. But I can tell you guys from an engagement per- perspective, UFC dominated Bellator. Oh, I don't think we had anybody engaged in the uh, Bellator discussion, but 600 comments in UFC Fort Lauderdale. That should show you that even though Bellator brought two title fights and two former champions – the focus is still on the UFC in that regard. Let's go ahead and talk about it. This UFC show, uh, some some light notes. Of course, Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, we will talk about these at length. Diego Lima split decisions, Court McGee. Lima always gave this one away, and, and that could have been the end of his second UFC run. He is, like, this is his eighth fight and his first winning streak in the UFC, but he was 6-0 and on tough. Court McGee has lost three of four. I think he'll hang around. Uh, yeah, I just think they, they won't cut him. Angela Hill's not getting cut. She took a short notice fight against Jody Escabel. Escabel now 0-3 in the UFC. Angela Hill needed this win. She's 3-4 and four in her latest UFC run, but was facing a possible three-fight losing streak. She performed very well, ended up winning this one. Jim Miller was my favorite story of this show. Well, one of them. This guy has been around forever. I, I don't know how you couldn't like Jim Miller. He's an OG, man. Like, I see that guy on the fight card, and I'm like, damn, man. I, I want to watch this guy fight. I want to watch him put in the work, share a birthday as well. But, I mean, when I also when I think the guy's only two years older than me, I'm like, man, what, what have I accomplished? He's done everything but be champion. But his fights haven't been quite fight of the night territory. He's had some good finishes, but he's been getting beaten a lot lately. 
He's now won two of his last three. He he should have beaten Jason Gonzalez, and he did. He did it in two minutes, 12 seconds. And if you're going to lose to, J, uh, to Jim Miller, it's going to be rear naked choke or guillotine choke. That's how it happens. You're not going to find a lot of lightweights that have eight first-round finishes. He's one of them. He admitted that he didn't have many more fights left in him, said that he was hoping that he could go on a Cinderella Man run. And he did it in front of his family, man. And that's that was really cool to see because they played it up on the broadcast. And it was uh, it, that was cool. That's what they should have done. It's it's what it's it's a storyline. So play it up, uh, make it as special as you possibly can be, but add this stuff to to fights like that. The thrill and the agony, man. I'm all about it. Gilbert Burns taps Mike Davis in round two. Davis is a late replacement. This is how this fight had to go. Burns had to win this fight and had to win it in dominant fashion. He's uh, now won four out, of five, four out of five, but anything but a finish would have been very disappointing here. Virna Jandaroba's debut was rather disappointing. Carla Esparza, former UFC champion, got the win. She's a number nine ranked fighter. The, the, the odds were rather close here. Former UFC champion against highly touted prospect. And Jandaroba didn't have an answer for that good old American wrestling. Uh, Esparza had top control in round one, Jandaroba in round two. Momentum returned to Carla in round three. But I thought that Esparza was especially good at smothering Jandaroba in guard without eating a bunch of elbows. Uh, Jandaroba ends in control, but this was not a fun one to watch. Esparza was more successful all over the place, even uh, including in the, included in the clinch, and took this one Late notice, but a lot of people thought that she was going to win. A lot of people thought she was going to dog walk Esparza. I wasn't necessarily one of them. You don't accidentally get to the levels that Carla Esparza got to. But uh, this was Jada Roba's way into the UFC. Um, not not great. Ugh, Augusto Sakai beat, quote-unquote, Andre Arlovsky. What? This fight sucked, man. I can't believe that allegedly 110 strikes landed in this fight. When's the last time Andre Arlovsky has had a good performance? Even in wins, he didn't have good performances. You can go all the way back to the Brendan Schaub thing, and at least he had a couple of finishes right after that. He redeemed himself. Arlovsky didn't lose this fight. He should have won. But that's not saying a lot. And now we're looking at him with two wins in his last 11 fights. Listen, I get it. He He's at heavyweight. He's not getting knocked out. At, at least this go around. He hasn't been knocked out in over two and a half, in like two and a half years. But he was the UFC heavyweight champion. 13 years ago. How much water does that hold? How much? I mean, I guess. At what point? Who is paying to see this guy fight? I I don't know. Why why is he still around? All due respect to him. Bellator will hire him like that. That's why I'm not like. That's why I'm saying why is he still around? I don't want the man to not have a living. 
But this fight sucked. And all of his fights have sucked for years. Augusto Sakai, now 2-0 in the UFC. 13-1-1 total. He did not win this fight. Arlovsky did. But when I say that, man, did this one blow. Takashi Sato uh, finished Ben Saunders. Uh, Sato was going to have to beat Saunders to retain his prospect status, and Saunders was going to need to win to stay relevant in any way in the UFC. Saunders has now lost uh, five of six and has been finished in all of them. I think it's a wrap on his second UFC run. I think Sato is worth watching because he has a lot of upside. Good finish, too. Uh, Ben Saunders isn't there, man. He is another guy that it's getting uncomfortable to watch. He was a guy for a long time. If you watched the uh, podcast that we do, I'd always give him a chance, man. Always give him a chance because he's one of those guys. He he does remind me a lot of Jim Miller and Joe Lozon and those type of fighters to where you can almost never count him out. He fights again in the UFC. Oh, I'll count him out. Just the way it is. Roosevelt Roberts defeated Thomas Gifford. This is another one. Roosevelt Roberts needed to win this. Gifford hung around in this one. That's really all you could ask of him. Roberts is a really highly touted prospect out of the Contender Series, and the company probably wanted him to emerge victorious. He did. Uh, Gifford, though, he will be back. We interviewed him on Fightful. We being James Lynch. Uh, that's one. that You can skip this one, too. I would probably watch Sandhagen versus Lineker. Now, most had this for Lineker. Sandhagen ends up earning a split decision. Worth noting, the only two people to beat Lineker in the last six years before this uh, tested positive for EPO. Sandhagen was so much bigger than Lineker. Sandhagen looked like a big-ass feather. He looked like a small featherweight competing at Bantamweight while Lineker looked like a normal-sized flyweight competing at Bantamweight. Oh, boy. The size really helped out Sanhagen here. BlueChew.com code Fightful. The size will really help you there. Towards uh, round three, Lineker gets sick of it and just kind of wades in, gets caught uh, with regularity in doing so. This was some good technical striking versus brawling. There was this... Filthy moment at the end where Lineker had split open Sanhagen and had a guillotine hooked on and blood's just squirting out of Sanhagen. <laughs> there was an eight-inch height disadvantage here, but the um, blood was insane. Saran Zaman says, WTF, why are you accusing him of PD? Seriously unprofessional. Uh, I didn't. I said that before this fight, the only two people to beat John Lineker in the last six years popped for EPO. In fact, in my show notes, it says, well, comma, I don't think Sandhagen will pop for EPO, comma, but he won. This is a close decision. I, I don't hate this going to Sandhagen. He's now 4-0 in the UFC. He's got to get a big opponent now, right? Like I don't know how you don't give him... I mean, this is a big opponent. John Lineker was a big opponent. Because he was that guy that I just mentioned that had uh, only lost to guys who popped for EPO before that. And 
Sanhagen beat Austin Arnett, who the UFC thought a lot of, and Yuri Alcantara. And, uh, yeah, this was his first fight that wasn't a finish in the UFC. But uh, Sanhagen's got to be ranked now. I think he's probably going to crack probably maybe number 10, maybe number 11. Good for him. I don't think Lineker will get hurt a lot from this either. Ian Kujilaba came into this unranked and almost took down Glover Teixeira. Cracked Teixeira midway through the first, including with a big-time knee. I love that they could do the knees in this fight because I get so sick of playing the game, playing the game with the, the hand down and all that horse shit. Glover is able to recover briefly and land a takedown. This was easily the fight of the night at this point. Through the second, both guys cracked one another, uh, but Teixeira's experience ended up playing a huge role. This is exactly how James Lynch said it was going to play out on the live post show or the uh, pre-show on Fightful.com. He grounded Kujilaba and submitted him after the fight. He called out Corey Anderson. This was a high-level 205-pound fight. I, I've touted Ian Kujilaba before that. I I think that he is still a guy that's going to make some noise. He is just he just turned 25 in December. Uh, Glover has uh, won two in a row now, and he's still hanging around in the division. Now, while this was an unranked opponent, and so was Roberson, I, I still think that Glover belongs in the top 15. He's won three of his last four. He's won four of his last six. He, he's still getting it done around there. Not just that, but he's finishing people. Look back at Glover Teixeira's career. Like he only he's been finished a couple times, but dating back to 2013, all but one of his wins is a finish. So, yeah, somebody asked me about Leo Rush. You're on the MMA channel, homeboy. I'll talk about that on the wrestling channel maybe Sunday. Glover Teixeira keeps himself relevant. So I look at this UFC light heavyweight division, and you got to ask now, what's next for Glover Teixeira, a former title challenger? Where could he go from here? I think Dom Reyes makes a lot of sense. I think you could do that. Uh, Dom Reyes wants that title fight, but... Mm, don't know about that yet, but if... Reyes beats Glover? Why not? Why not? Mike Perry beats down Alex Oliveira. Whoo! This was fun. Uh, This was a huge win for Mike Perry. I can't even begin to tell you how big it was. Even though Alex Oliveira was coming off the loss, he is a very well-rounded fighter. I didn't think Mike Perry had much of a chance in this. And he proved me wrong. He stuck with it, man. Uh, this is the Mike Perry that we saw just bum rush the UFC in 2016 and go on that 4-1 streak. Uh, Oliver and Perry really slugged it out. Cowboy put the paint on Perry in round one and had much more precise striking. But in round two, Perry cracked Cowboy with a big punch and dropped him, later slammed him to the mat. Perry's able to clip Oliver with a right, and then uh, as – Oliveira was about to kind of crumble a little bit. He drove through and took him to the mat. Fantastic. 
there was this great knee up against the cage. Uh, Harry had a quarter Nelson, I think a three quarter Nelson applied through the knee. It was awesome. Alex Oliveira in this fight dislocated his toe and his corner put it back in and he was still fighting, but he couldn't, he couldn't regain it, man. Perry really laid it on Oliveira and took this fight. And I, I would say it's the biggest win of his career because the Paul Felder fight was really close. And the Paul Felder fight was at welterweight, a weight that Felder had never competed at. And I believe it was a short notice fight. So I would argue that this, uh, that this would uh, be his biggest win. After the fight, he called out Darren Teal. Now, when Perry had went on that losing streak, I was like, all right, let's not do that now. Let's not do that now. But now Darren Teal's on a losing streak. He's lost to Tyron Woodley, lost to Masvidal. I think it makes sense. Perry coming off a win. Teal coming off of uh, a couple losses. Go ahead and do that. You can main event, co-main event a fight with that. Uh, I don't know what's going to be up with Darren Teal because he just got caught, like, stealing a taxi. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Allegedly. Un- unbelievable. Greg Hardy crushed a Russian jobber. I really thought this Russian jobber would have enough experience to stop. Uh <laughs> Stop, Greg Hardy. I was wrong. Greg Hardy landed a head kick, pressed forward, hurt Smoke the Ov. That's a wrap. Greg Hardy got booed by his own hometown crowd where he trains. He's a trash human. How much more credit do I want to give him? Not a lot. How fast does Alexi Olenek submit Greg Hardy with an Ezekiel choke? I say maybe two minutes. I say maybe two minutes. Uh, Joseph Boza mentioned Teal's number six, Perry's at rank, doesn't matter. Perry's a name. Number 10, Jack Hermanson defeated number four, Jacare Souza. Now, Jacare Souza was promised a title fight if he won. Also, (laughs) you got to remember, Anderson Silva had been promised a title fight if he had beat Adesanya. Adesanya obviously ended up getting that. Wasn't to be. Now we got Jack Hermanson. Probably as a top five middleweight. And we don't have Weidman. We don't have Rockhold. We don't have Jacare. And we don't have Romero in the title picture. And now Gaslam's out of it too. Hermanson had the opportunity of a lifetime competing on this show against Jacare Souza. I mean a top, top, top level opponent. The thing is, Jacare beat Weidman. He thought he beat Gastelum. He beat Brunson. And he's had performance of the nights all along the way. But Jack Hermanson stepped in after he won 
less than a month ago. He fought four weeks ago and beat David Branch. He fought four months ago and beat Mearshart. He's 4-0 in the UFC since Tiago Santos left the division. And I got to tell you, Tiago Santos's resume just keeps looking better and better. When Anthony Smith goes on the run that he does, when Jack Hermanson goes on the run that he does, looks pretty good. The Eric Anders fight doesn't look so great now, but hey, we'll talk about Tiago Santos when the time comes. Jack Hermanson has now won five of six. He beat Souza, Branch, Mearshart, Latest, Brad Scott, and Alex Nicholson along the way. Tiago Santos stopped him. And as we see, uh, a year and a half after that fight, Tiago Santos is about to compete for the UFC light heavyweight title against John Jones. No shame in that. Cesar Ferrara beat him. Cesar Ferrara is a very good fighter. Not top-level fighter, but a very good one who can give a lot of people trouble. Jack Hermanson played his game. And he, he, he beat Jacare Souza with top control through a lot of this. That's pretty damn impressive. Souza ripped away at the body of Hermanson and did some damage. This led to Jack shooting early in round four. But round five was a lot more close. But Hermanson did it, man. Outstanding. You've got to love it. you got to love what he was able to do. I look at that and I'm like, Costa, maybe. You can maybe do him and Costa. Rockhold's about to get the hell out of here. Souza's ranked number four. I imagine Hermanson's probably jumping Costa, Weidman, and uh, will probably land right underneath Gastelum. I would say uh, that Hermanson ends up at rank number four because Gastelum will move up to number three. Souza will move down to number five. Rockhold will... GTFO of there, and then you'll see Hermanson settle right there. And then you're going to have Hermanson in there with other big boys. You're going to have him in there with Gastelum. You're going to have him in there with Romero. You're going to have him in there with Costa, probably. The big names of the division. Just suppose it says Jack should be number six. I disagree. Uh, Rockhold's not in that division. They should just go ahead and pull him. He's leaving. Uh, Weidman hasn't won lately, so he should he shouldn't be ranked above him. He should be above Sousa because he should beat him. So there you go. We had Bellator too. Gaston Boyanos defeated uh, Stolen. This was as good as it got on this show. Boyanos was an emerging name. Finished him. Frank Trigg called uh, maybe an early end of this. Phil Davis put Liam McGeary out of his misery. This was a rematch. <sighs> Couple long ranging ground specialists. So how does it go? They keep it standing for their technical striking exhibition. This fight sucked. I interviewed Phil Davis. Go listen to it. That was fun. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great guy to talk to. Uh, the final round finally sees Phil Davis get aggressive and taking the fight to the ground. He does so twice and looked. He threw some nice ground and pound. But uh, finally got a finish, man. But... When you look back at this fight, you're not going to say, oh, man, Phil Davis got that finish over Liam McGeary. If you watch this fight, you're going to go, ugh, this fight sucked. This is a rematch of their 2016 fight. I didn't see the need of running this back. Didn't Bellator run some of the weirdest, most boring rematches back? I don't know. 
Now Davis has finishes in uh, consecutive years. That is impressive. That is not something that exactly happens a ton for him. He got two in one night at one point, but I don't think he's done that since like 2009, 2010. McGeary just tapped anyway before the rear naked choke was applied. Ben Henderson, I interviewed him too. Go check it out. Outpointed Adam Piccolotti. A lot of people uh, thought this one was close. Henderson opens with leg kicks as is tradition. Piccolotti is able to close the distance, drag Henderson down, and apply an unsuccessful rear naked choke. Piccolotti controlled the duration of round one and easily took it, but round two was the the opposite. Henderson pressed forward, uh, took Piccolotti down, then later took the back. Henderson always finds himself in those awkward grappling positions. Like when he was in the splits punching somebody. Weird. And uh, (laughs) Piccolotti almost pulled off a hammerlock, but got dumped by Henderson. Piccolotti took control and tried to ride out the round, but Henderson got on top. Landed a few strikes, and that was enough to get the win. You can't expect a big, exciting fight out of uh, Ben Henderson either, man. He's won three in a row, though. Bellator's got to be happy about that. His, he, he's had, like, six straight fights that have either been really close or uh, wins. And he, he went to split with Michael Chandler and Patricky. Uh, do you want him back in the title picture at this point? Or do you want him second from the bottom on a show like this? I think it's the latter. I don't think you want Ben Henderson in the title picture right now. Especially if your title fights are going to get the reputation of being boring fights. I'm fine with it being a split decision. Alima Lay McFarlane stopped Veda Ortega. This was not a great fight either. Uh, McFarlane pressed forward, dropped down for submissions. First an R-bar, then an E-bar, but Ortega worked to her feet and landed knees and strikes in the clinch. Ortega stuffs a takedown uh, to end the round, but McFarlane got inside and and took down Ortega in the next round, rests in the guard. Ortega was countering where she could, but McFarlane kept cutting her off with long strikes and leg kicks. But then in round three, McFarlane took down Ortega and threw a filthy elbow. I can't believe that Veda was winning on one card 2018 as I see that. I cannot believe that. That shocks me. But, and you can say that McFarlane got lucky. There ain't nothing lucky about throwing an elbow at somebody's forehead and splitting them open, my man. That's what happened. Ortega was split open and the ref said, no moss, no more. Not a great fight, man. But Alima Lay McFarlane's uh, title reign is reaching greatness, at least for Bellator. How about this? Now she is the longest reigning current uh, Bellator champion as far as title defenses. She's held that title for a year and a half. Between amateur and pro, she's 15-0. and 0. And how about this? Her next successful title defense, she will tie uh, Ben Askren for the most successful title defenses in Bellator history. At least consecutively. A great representative for Bellator, somebody that they want, obviously. Without a doubt, the most decorated 
uh, star that they they have, and they, they got Julia Budd too, and they just re-signed her, and she's great. I think a lot of Julia Budd, but it's got it's nice now that they can hold on to their champions. It's nice, but I mean they they just got to get out of the habit of running all of them back over and over and over and over again. Bellator Welterweight Championship and a Grand Prix opening round. Oh, my God. Rory McDonald and John Fitch went to a majority draw. Yep. So let's run down this one. McDonald immediately caught Fitch with a punch and got taken down. He applied a wrist lock that ended up getting him to his feet, but McDonald picked apart Fitch. Ate the occasional leg kick, but Fitch scored a huge takedown. Round two, Fitch came right out, took down McDonald. Whole round stayed there. Fitch threw an ill-advised kick that got him taken down and didn't really do enough to sway the round. Fitch dragged down McDonald in round three, started to throw elbows. And at this point, I'm like, man, Rory McDonald is just not the dude we thought he was. And he confirmed it after the fight. Zahabi had no sense of urgency in that corner, which is shocking to me. Round four, McDonald cracked Fitch and hurt him. I thought he was going to finish him. Fitch begged for a takedown, but ate a lot of punishment before he got it. I had uh, McDonald winning that round. Round five, I had it Fitch. Here's how it ends up. Majority draw. Two fights or two cards with a draw. One with John Fitch. So Rory McDonald wins on no scorecards, but because of the rules of the tournament, if it's a majority draw, he retains and advances. I think that in the case of a majority draw, the person who won on one scorecard should win the fight. I think that's how it should play out. I don't think it should be Oh, if you get two draws, it should outweigh the winner. I think whoever wins on the most scorecards should be the victor. Whether it be one, two, or three scorecards. That's how it should be. John Fitch won this fight. And it doesn't... It pains me to say that. Because this fight sucked. And John Fitch was was a boring fight. Great interview, boring fight. James Lynch interviewed him months ago, and he said that he cut the dicks off of all of his LJN wrestling figures when he found out that wrestling was fake. Then he looked at him and said, you're not, man, and sliced off the rubber dicks, which I did never know they had. Great interview. Terrible fight. John Fitch on the arguably the greatest run of his career. But I don't know that he is exactly friendly for Neiman Gracie to fight. I think that John Fitch would grind the shit out of Neiman Gracie. Why do I think that? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because Hoist Gracie hit the bricks when he got a taste of wrestling in America. He just didn't know that Kazushi Sakuraba was waiting for him in Japan. Didn't know that was coming. Bloodlines run deep, my man. After the fight, Rory McDonald, he kind of blamed Jesus for the shitty fight, didn't he? 
He's like, oh, I've had a lot of influence from God, and I don't feel like I'm as violent anymore and as exciting anymore. I'm like, listen, man, if you want to blame Jesus for your terrible fight, you go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. We get all these people crediting Jesus for their, their wins. Why not go ahead and blame Jesus for a bad one? He's due one. He's due one. He's 29 years old. But you got to remember, it's something that we hammer home. And we're going to really talk to Joe and James about this. Cage Miles. He's got 26 fights under his belt. 26 fights. And he's fought every single year since 2005. He's been fighting for 14 years. Man, been pro since he was like a teenager, 16. He just ain't that guy. He is not that guy. I think it's amazing that he was able to beat Tyron Woodley, beat Paul Daly up real bad, beat Douglas Lima. That's amazing. He ain't that guy. Do I think he's going to beat Neiman Gracie? Yeah, I probably do. I do think he's going to beat Neiman Gracie. I do. I I don't know how well-rounded Neiman Gracie is. I thought it was impressive that he tapped out Ed Ruth. That was really cool. That's a wrap, guys. Tune in to FightfulMMA.com. Thank you guys for joining me. Leave a thumbs up. We will be talking Bellator Europe 2, Premise versus Tim Wilde. Hot dog this week. Lots of stuff to talk about. Thank you, guys. Tomorrow night on the Wrestling Channel, Crockett Cup, Impact Wrestling. We're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.